Welcome to Hyper Curious, a show that is all about finding happiness by embracing changes and following our curiosity. My name is Beta Luca. I'm a BAFTA-winning serial entrepreneur, angel investor, and multi-hyphenate. Each week, I unveil the most intriguing aha moments and leaps of learnings of successful leaders, founders, authors, and artists, and how they achieve incredible things by staying hyper-curious. Today, our conversation is with Sam Harris, not the philosopher, but the entrepreneur and adventurer Sam Harris, the co-founder and CEO of Syncify.fm, a social podcast app. Sam has climbed some of the world's most dangerous mountains, visited North Korea and nearly died a few times. In this episode, we talk about how Sam's near-death experiences changed the way that he goes about life why studying biology made him a braver creative entrepreneur, and the importance of leaning into your fears and discomfort to gain a more lighthearted perspective in life. Sam, welcome to Hypercurious. Let's start from the beginning. Tell us about your essence as a human, as a founder, as a podcaster. Who is Sam Harris in one sentence? Well, <laughs> I was going to say hypercurious, but that's already the show title, so I should probably not steal that from you. But I have just always been like a relentlessly curious person that can't help seeing what's on the other side of things. And whether that's like my fears or something else, I just kind of can't not know. And whenever there's anything like waste or something wrong with the world, I just kind of have to f get involved and fix it. If there's something that's like making me down, then... That's an example, but I'm definitely having the longest sentence in the world here. So I'm going to have to stop. Okay. I like that. So you describe yourself also outside of this podcast as an annoyingly positive and endlessly curious person. And I can relate to that a lot because I'm very similar. And I had situations in my life before that I had colleagues who looked at me and said, how can you come to the office every single day and have a big smile on your face in the morning? So why do you think positivity might annoy some people? I think some people feel more ownership of their feelings and like it's sort of a part of them. And so when they get down, it's like, they sort of feel like it's almost a responsibility to be down. I don't know how to, if that's quite the right explanation, but certainly like I did the Vipassana retreat and the one guy that didn't do the whole 10 days got just fundamentally annoyed about being told to like release his anger. And he's like, well, I'm angry. I want to be angry. And like, he didn't want to go with the flow of being like, Hey, it's just an emotion. I can look at that emotion and think about it and decide whether I want to let it take me. And so I guess it just takes a bit more questioning and detachment from like your current ego and self and what it's doing and realizing that it's not necessarily you that's driving it. It's, just um, you letting it drive yourself. I guess it depends on how introspective people are. Some people don't like introspecting too much. And why do they feel annoyed? Is it because they have uh, they take life too seriously? Well, <laughs> yes, at the meta level, as in if you think about the fact that the universe has been around for a few billion years and is going to go to like nothing in another sort of hundreds of billions of years and absolutely no part of your existence will ever be recorded or matter to anything, then yes, they're probably taking things too seriously. But you, you're proud of that. You like being annoyingly positive. 
Yes, I would like to be even more positive than I am. I, I feel a bit of a fraud sort of saying that I'm annoyingly positive. So certainly if I don't sleep too well, I can be a bit, uh, so yeah, it's like last night, I don't know what happened, but come the evening, I just was not like brilliantly positive and I was talking to my flatmate about like going for a walk, but I was just being vague. Like, I just wanted to like have some quiet so my, my brain to breathe and something and I just was not good at explaining it. Um, so I'm not like always 100% energy for the beans but I've never been depressed for more than like a two days because I get annoyed at myself if I'm being annoying kind of thing and I kind of I introspect go into it work out why and come up with some form of logic as to why this is being stupid mm. and you you had some near-death experiences right can you tell us about that when I was 25 I think I had a skiing accident I was doing like a 360 backflip and landed um so basically flat on my back, I completely cleared the landing area and landed flat on my back. And somehow from like the shock, even though I'd landed on my back, like the pecs on my front tore themselves off like my chest bone from like, I didn't even know that was a thing that was possible and didn't even know until a few days later when it was like, okay, this part of me doesn't work also. But anyway, that was like one thing. And then I broke five ribs in my back. But at the time I just thought I'd broken my back which is a bit of a non-story, I guess. But when you're lying there and like, you know, when you wind yourself and you can't breathe and it's sort of, it's a bit worrying, but it was like five times worse than that. Cause like literally sort of the muscles sort of that were doing all that just stopped working. And I had this crazy pains coming from all over my back, which is actually my broken ribs, but I had no idea what that pain meant. And like, I couldn't, the rest of my body wouldn't move at all either. And so I just assumed that I'd broken my back and that like I was never going to breathe again. And so I just lay there for like over a minute, not breathing at all, just thinking that my brain was just about to like shut down soon. And after the first sort of 15 seconds of trying to breathe and failing, I kind of gave up and was like, okay, well, I guess that was that. I've only got like not very long to left to live. I may as well just enjoy the, um, however long it takes for my brain to shut off and just sort of like <laughs> lay there on the ski slope, having a nice time. And, um, eventually managed to like breathe like a tiny man and ended up getting taken to hospital and put back together and stuff and it was okay but it was definitely one of those like okay well, I'm definitely dead now I guess that was that which was an interesting experience I can only imagine by your description right because it's yeah I, I had dreams that I was dying and and it's just horrible so imagine if it's real real life right how do you know do you, do you have like a conscious thought I am dying now and I might just be calm and in, enjoy the ride wherever I'm going. Or is it conscious like that? For me, it was. It was very much like, I think partly like the adrenaline and things going on, but I felt very positive about the whole thing. Did you see a light, someone <laughs> pulling? So, yeah. I guess it was like all of the things that normally are in the background of like, can you really ever rest? Cause if you've got all these to-do lists and like whatever's going on and like maybe how people portray you, whatever, it, it, it just doesn't matter. You're like, well, I haven't really got the time to worry about these things at all. Like my life is fine. I can accept whatever I've done and be happy with that. I don't even have time to think about all of my memories. So I'm just going to sit here and enjoy whatever the view is. Yeah, it's really strange. How, how, how did those things impact the way that you live your life? So certainly made me, on some sides, a bit more conscious of risk in terms of, okay, actually, I do have people that love me and I know like in the 60 seconds when I'm dying, it was okay, but actually if I thought a bit more deeply about all the people I would have loved to have said bye to and like 
the chaos I would have left. Like, actually, that's kind of a bad thing. Don't want to die as such. But also a bit more reckless on, on other sides of things as in nothing's really too bad in terms of if everything all goes wrong, it doesn't actually go that wrong. You still have all your skills. And as long as you haven't lost your intelligence and creativity, like the world's sort of your oyster, it doesn't really matter and getting caught up on things. And one thing I've always been a bit confused by is that when you like lose something through your own volition, like an injury or you sort of put your Bitcoin in the wrong place and it, you lose it or whatever, you kind of like, you just sort of accept it quite quickly and move on. Whereas when it's from someone else, like you get super annoyed if like they just like take up five minutes of your day and something. And it just helps you not be annoyed by other stuff when you're like, well, you could be dead. It's like you can take five minutes for this person to waste your time or all that kind of stuff is, is suddenly very superfluous and irrelevant and you can kind of just show up and be a bit happier. And you can forget about it in the moment, but then if you have some journaling practice and meditation, you think, hey, why was I getting annoyed today? Well, this that was ridiculous and stuff. And um, like one thing I, I mean, I then climbed whilst I was in hospital. One of my life goals had been to climb like a really big mountain, and I had to cancel a climbing trip because I was that was meant to be going on two weeks later. So I booked climbing the Matterhorn instead, like eight months later, which is a ridiculously stupid thing to try and do when I wasn't even sure if I'd really walk again. And it's like the fifth most dangerous mountain in the world. But like I was just like. Well, <laughs> I think I really want to have done this and who knows what could happen. I could get run over by a bus. I may as well like do these silly things. And like I managed to do it. Like I was just at the level of ability in terms of climbing ability, fitness, all these things. And yeah, it was pretty insane that I managed it, but super happy. But like I did it, I got to the top by like 8.30 a.m. in the morning and I was there at the top of this ridiculous mountain. So now... I have like an alarm at 8.30 every day being like, hey, you could have climbed the Matterhorn by now. And it's like, <laughs> yeah, you can really do some insane things if you ever put your mind to it. It's just nice to sort of have those reminders around you. So you, you have this thirst for adventure and uh, you were backpacking across Kazakhstan. You visited North Korea, to name a few. What do you think was the catalyst for this desire to explore the world? It's hard to say exactly because, like, is it in your genes? Is it certainly at your environment makes a big difference? My sister did some travel. Uh, I had a girlfriend that was a year older than me who then, like, broke up with me to go and travel lots. Which, <laughs> But I had lots of respect for her. I was like, yeah, I should probably go do that as well. So I hadn't thought about it too much. In the same way that I, I, mean, I hadn't thought a lot about being an entrepreneur before I started my first business when I was 20, but I was always like very entrepreneurial. So it's hard to say if it was like my first big travel where I was like, this is what I've got to do. Or if it was just my general mindset, I was always a bit more curious and doing things differently to whatever people were doing. So even like in um, school and class, like I was dyslexic, I didn't necessarily learn the same way as others and would always do things a bit differently and kind of have to get involved. I was always the, I always need to find things out for myself. So, well, I guess I went to like four different schools as well. And I found that, each school I went to, I learned more about life and fit in better. And like, I wasn't necessarily, I was really bad at talking when I first started. And so my first three schools, I wasn't that popular until I got to like sixth form at 16. And like each was like a major change. And like, I realized that I just really enjoyed the change. And so maybe that um, made me a bit more nomadic. 
vague answer of <laughs> without a real specific answer. No, but that's but that's it makes sense. It's like yeah, you, you start enjoying the change, and then you you know you can do it, and then you do it over and over again, and then you become more adventurous. And I think one thing leads to the other. But how how does the the dyslexia impacts that? Do you think that there is a correlation? Because you just mentioned that perhaps that that fact made you uh, look at the world and do things differently to others. It does make you a bit more sure of yourself and your ability to work things out, and a bit more guessing and like curious of anything you get told. So whether that's in the news or like a teacher in the classroom telling you how to do something, I'm kind of always question that, can I do it better myself? <laughs> and, or is there a different thing behind it? I can't help coming up with like other options for everything. And it can be a bit annoying, but travel and curiosity in the world, I think it's, it's a very useful skill. And then I think um, in the same way, like tangents, I suffer from constantly going on to tangents, but I think that's one of like the most important things probably for an entrepreneur is an, is an enjoyment of tangents because of if you just accept the world as it is in every situation, like you're never going to be the person that disrupts things and does things differently. And like, that's where all the creativity is, is actually being like, oh, there's this thing. Maybe we can go deeper and deeper and a little bit more deeper and go for like a complete left field side of things. And that's where like the innovation is on something. Whereas if you always do it as it is, then that stuff gets missed. Yeah, that makes total sense. There's a, there's the element of following your curiosity. There's an element of being a rebel, of challenging, you know, can you do differently? Can you do better? And so your first business, you started while you were at university. And how did it go? How did you come up with the idea? And how did you start? It went surprisingly well, considering I had no idea what I was doing. I came up with the idea because I was studying biology and I wanted to do something. I was I would have been quite environmental in any way. I had like a lot of really big ideas that I wanted to do to like really fundamentally change the world and realized that I was a first year guy at uni that had no idea what I was doing. And I wanted to sort of like one of the things was, well, a lot of was like solar related ideas and sort of Tesla themed stuff, which is like a bit of a trend. And then I realized I couldn't really do them. So I was just trying to think, with like the options available to me and like the skills that I had, what could I do? And there was a business in Hereford that was doing um, like cycle deliveries and stuff and like nothing like that really existed in Bristol. So I was like, well, I guess that's cool. I'd love to have an excuse to do a lot more cycling. It's like a really green way of doing things. Like there's no cars and traffic in the city because that was a problem. And it was like, okay, we can create healthy jobs for people and we can reduce mileage of cars and vehicles and stuff. So I wrote a business plan for that to like the university had like a little award scheme going where like they'd give you a thousand pound like entrepreneurship. Like it was kind of like a internship with yourself on your own business idea. So they give you like a thousand pounds to go do that over summer. So instead of going on holiday or having any adventure after I finished my first year exams, I went straight into doing that. And like, there wasn't really enough money to really do that much, but I kind of put a website together and somehow rang like a load of different people and got aside a company to sponsor me, like another five grand for um, like just putting advertising on the vehicles and stuff, which I don't really understand how I managed to do because I had no idea what I was doing or what vehicles we'd have exactly, but somehow I managed to sell something, which was weird because I'd never thought I'd be a salesman. And then I had a business, I had to go buy these things 
and then people started like calling me and ordering me to like transport stuff so I had to start transporting stuff and then because I was doing that regularly and realized I had to sort of be doing lectures I had to employ some people to like do those things that were scheduled and um then more people would ask and then so before I knew it I, I was running a business it was a, it was quite surreal and I couldn't really stop because there was people that had orders for the next month and so I had to like get people to fulfill those things and that was really cool but I also was not doing it in an ordered manner at all and yeah, trying to deal with a logistics business whilst doing a degree turns out is not like the optimal thing. So I very nearly failed my second year. And um, we were doing like a delivery style stuff in the evenings as well that got like super popular. And I had to actually shut it down because I was just going to have like a complete burnout and fail at business and degree, which was unfortunate because if I, I, I did apply to have my degree um, postponed for a bit, but they said no. So maybe could have started delivery, but also I didn't really know that much about like tech investment or anything really in tech or yeah, how to really scale a business in these things. So um, probably I would not have done it that well and maybe I would have just spent more time not really being so successful, but just learning lots. Before I tell the whole story about this, you asked just about the start. So I've told that part I can stop now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. No, because I, 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 I'm very curious about the the fact that you... So you were doing biology, you said, and the business you started had nothing to do with your degree. So what, what is the advice that you give to people who are in that situation now? And they're like, well, I don't have the right creds or the right potentially knowledge to start this kind of business that I want to start, but I'm going to do it anyway, so or not. So what, what would be your advice to people in that situation? Well, on the biology side of things, anyone that does science that's super useful because you learn how to be scientific about stuff. And that's basically all business is, is creating a series of hypotheses around what will or won't work, testing them and not lying to yourself about the tests that you make. So you actually get the right results and believe them and go in the right direction. So it's a hugely fundamental core skill if you actually learn that properly. Uh, lots of people do science and then still lie to themselves about things. So it's a human problem. But you don't need to be as prepared for anything in the same way that no one who has their first child is really ever ready, ready. It's the same with businesses and just <laughs> just start it. And most likely it won't go right anyway, so it doesn't really matter too much. You'll just learn a bunch about how to do it better. And if it is something where there's some kind of continuation where you have to keep on doing it, then it'll just carry on going. Just It's like a bit of a surreal effect, but... I found if there's a way to sell something to someone as quickly as possible, you'll just have to keep on doing it. Um, so don't do something that's going to take you like a year of like tinkering on different things because after six months, you'll probably give up. Those would be like my biggest tips is don't worry about it. It's not too much of a problem. Certainly if you're trying to seek investment, it's like it's a big scaling thing like and you need investment straight away. Investors do look to see that you've got some expertise. But as soon as you have customers or any form of traction, they kind of stop validating on that and they just look at like the product that you have or what you're selling. So like, Pippa Nut, she'd never made peanut butter before, but she started doing it and then she runs like the best peanut butter company ever. So like, yeah, I wouldn't worry about it. No, I, I love that. And, and I think very often some entrepreneurs get hooked into that, right? They're like, well, I have to start and start raising money as soon as possible. And they get ahead of themselves. And, and sometimes the, yeah, the best entrepreneurs and the best 
like long-term businesses, they are very much focused on getting revenues first and clients first and prove something. And then they use the, the money from investors to scale up. So yeah, it's a, it's a much more grounded route other than the route of I'm, I'm going to raise from day zero. Especially when you're a first-time entrepreneur as well. That's very much like, okay, if you've had a few successful exits, you can do that. Otherwise, you sort of have to go through the trial of fire of doing it all by yourself first, I think. So one of your adventures has been to do stand-up comedy. And my question to you is, what was scariest, visiting North Korea or doing stand-up comedy? Probably stand-up comedy. I've always been really terrified by... uh, standing up in front of people in general when I was a kid and talking and I just get quite self-conscious of what's coming out of my mouth and stuff and I never really used to tell jokes and things I mean I wouldn't say I'm like an unfunny human but I would never have been like okay I'm clearly going to be a stand-up comedian whereas like you know you meet some people that are just constantly making jokes like it's super impressive and I do not have that skill but in terms of North Korea that was scary in a very different way of you just have no idea what's going on and you're just like, I don't know how to say, it's sort of a bit like a Truman Show or something where like everything could just like fall apart at any second and everything seems safe, but you're like, I could be in jail within like five minutes if I do the wrong thing right now. And I mean, technically I could say a series of things right now and you could probably get me locked up for like what I said if I if I really thought about like saying the worst things or like, I'm literally seconds away from stabbing myself in the in the face if I wanted to. So you always are like on the edge of like your ultimate doom if you think about it. But in North Korea, like it's it's just obvious. So like, you know, when you're on the edge of a cliff or something, you're always like, oh, I could jump off. When you're just around them and they're like crazy love for the leader and that stuff, you kind of you always know that you're like one slip of the tongue away from being in a, in a gulag and stuff. And you can't fold newspapers or anything that has a photo of their leader. Otherwise, that's like one of the biggest offences you can do. And at one point, I accidentally put a newspaper like under my arm and folded it. And <laughs> instantly, as I did, I was like, no. Oh, my God. Threw it under a stack of other newspapers and ran out of this shop. <laughs> Anyone saw me, it was like, oh, God, oh, God. And then like in the bus later, I was like, still, still sweating. And so if like, anyone had seen me do it, <laughs> and it was like, Whew. that was worrying. But otherwise, I just found it really interesting. And I wasn't too scared. I, I quite enjoyed the whole process a lot more. I mean, but I also really enjoyed doing stand-up comedy, but I guess there was a bigger fear of it, which is weird because, you know, you're just on a stage and the worst that can happen is you say some jokes that aren't funny and it's okay, but it, it seems more like the world could could end <laughs> on, a, on a stage than it could for me in North Korea in that sense. Wow, yeah. One, one is about the personal fear and not a lot of risk if something goes wrong. The other one is the fear from the environment where you really, if you do the wrong thing, everything might fall apart in your life, right? Fear's a strange thing. Did those things impact you on the way that you run your current business? Yeah, I mean, they both taught me to be much less afraid in many ways. And um, they're both really, really great experiences. I'm so glad that I did them. And so it's, I certainly, the more times I've lent into my fear, the more it's taught me to to do that in terms of there's always been good things on the other side. And so I've certainly recognized when I'm scared about something that that's like a, an opportunity and I get more excited rather than 
like avoidant, which is a pretty huge lesson to have learned. So it's nice to kind of reflect on if there's been a few days where you've been avoiding something and you're like, oh, actually, is it because I'm scared? Oh, maybe if I wasn't scared, like, this could be really awesome. So that's really, really helped with business and stuff. And certainly, like I said, I didn't like standing up and talking so much, but I've really got better at just saying my thoughts like this, but then like giving the business pitches and trying to make those a bit funnier and that kind of stuff has been really helpful from the stand-up comedy. Uh, like, uh, for the tech stars, we had to do a... Um, like pitch with Eamon and stuff. And I think we certainly got like, the biggest laugh out of him, uh, you know, in like the first 10 seconds come to crack up. So that was, that was good. I saw, I saw your routine online. And I thought it was really funny. So I think you're natural, man. You're, you're giving yourself a harder time than you should, but yeah. It was really fun. It's, but it was different to, in the same way I've I found this, we're trying to write like quotes of thoughtfulness and stuff. It's in, it's just the taking, like I spoke about tangents, it's kind of, it's just taking that time to go a deeper level. As in you run through life, there's all these different things that actually you could be making hilarious jokes about and haven't quite got the snappiness to do it instantly. But if I sit and ponder on anything, I can find the humor and it's just sort of, okay, I just need to apply my brain powers and like work on it a bit. And like I said, I really enjoyed doing the process because I, I spent like a few weeks where I was just literally... I wasn't listening to podcasts or anything. The whole time I was like cycling around something, I'd just be sort of thinking of ways to make myself laugh at stuff. And yeah, there's so much potential for it. It's just, it was almost too consuming. Like, I'm not sure I I have the time for it at the moment in terms of trying to run a business as well, because of I kind of need that thinking time to creatively solve my business problems rather than come up with stupid jokes about life and stuff. But um, I guess maybe once you get a bit quicker at it, it's not such a problem. I know. I think things compete, right? So yeah, I, I feel the same when I when I'm doing two things. I, I remember I did stand up comedy as a course and have like a short uh, ten minutes of uh, of a routine that I was doing open mics in London before the lockdown, and I had to put together a presentation for a public speaking gig that I had to like hundreds of people. And I remember I was talking to to my teacher about that. I said. It, it feels like my brain is conflicting because I want to write material that is funny, but I need to write something that is actually valuable on stage for these hundreds of people that is about business and it's not about funny things, right? So yeah, it, it feels like a little bit like cross-wired, but I guess if you use the cross-wired to your own advantage, which you did even for the, for the pitch to Techstars, that could be very helpful for business, right? Definitely. It's, I think... Um... Well, it's all about telling stories either way and people prefer a story that makes them laugh and gets them a bit excited. So if you're trying to get investors and make them enjoy the process a bit more, it's, that's big. And the reason I did the stand-up comedy was, I mean, I'd had it as a thing that I thought I should do for a while, but now I, was, I got booked to do a TEDx speech and was like, okay, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it properly. And I, I wanted to have a way more confidence by then. So I went through the stand-up comedy and was like, what's the scariest thing I can possibly do before I've done my TEDx? Okay, <laughs> stand-up comedy. This is like, <laughs> and um, I'm so glad I did because of, it really changed what I did in that speech because I, I added so many more jokes. Like annoyingly, the joke I was most proud of that I think was the real thing that like carried the whole speech to make you remember it, uh, they removed because it was slightly dirty. And um, I was pretty sad about that. But the audience loved it at the time. That's good. <laughs> That's good. I can see like a pattern here, right, of uh, you embracing all the scariest things you can put yourself through. 
And I relate to that so much uh, as a fellow entrepreneur and, and like, you know, so many times in my life that I did that. Like I remember 15 years ago when I came to the UK, I didn't realize how bad my English was. I could barely speak English. I could barely communicate. And I thought I was fine. And when I got here, it was like, whoa, I cannot even rent a place with the level of English that I had. And, and I had to kind of do like 10 steps backwards to, to move forward again. But I think there's something about what you're saying about putting yourself in scariest moments and putting yourself into this discomfort. And I wonder, how do you endure these, these moments of high intensity discomfort without knowing you know, when the end of the tunnel is, without knowing when the sun is going to shine again. I think it's something you you learn and kind of enjoy that. Like I, the not knowing is fine. I've kind of got used to it. I think when I was on my gap year, I think I was 19 and I was in Paraguay, we got arrested for not paying for a hotel that we hadn't stayed in, which is a completely stupid... We were unlawfully arrested, basically, and... But at the time, it was like, holy shit, we're being arrested. These guys were sort of beating us a bit. And then, like, there was definitely some threats about us being raped. And of me and my friend, it was me that was going to get raped as the short, cute one. And it was like, it was going to end. <laughs> but, like, had no idea how we were going to get out of it. And then, like, somehow managed to make some jokes with the jailers and be like, actually, by the way, James Bond is going to come for you and stuff. And then after a while, we kind of called their bluff and knew that they weren't actually going to do these things and then we got that out and we're like hey let's go straight to brazil <laughs> what the hell are we doing here in paraguay but it was just one of those things where i guess it felt a bit like in like the matrix or something and when you you think like the nature of the world that you're in is one way but actually it's not i felt like i just felt falling off a skyscraper and then like i just bounced when i hit the floor and everything was fine it was like wait the laws of physics don't apply and stuff it was like actually when things go that wrong you still return to it being fine and since then, it's kind of, it kind of gave me a bit of excitement for whenever it goes completely tits up in life because of, I'm like, something will work out. I don't even know what it is, but it's going to be freaking awesome. Yeah, and I'm going to enjoy my life. <laughs> yeah. So it just makes you kind of like not so worried in the moment. You can just always be a bit chilled out, um, which is a super useful skill, I guess, because certainly know people with anxiety where they just need to have some like constant and like need a plan exactly and they need to know why things are going to work out and i'm like as long as you know that you're in a tunnel that there's an end probably somewhere you don't need to see the end you can just kind of keep going and it's fine and something will happen and it'll be super awesome and maybe the tunnels ends like literally just around the corner but you can't see it but you know you just keep on walking down the tracks it's fine wow this this way of seeing life is is amazing it's kind of yeah it puts everything in a different perspective yeah, it's uh, super handy to travel a lot, I think. Yeah. If people were listening to us, if they're like, oh my God, that's amazing for him. But how, how can I do that? How do you, how do you feel the, the massive fear when you were in that situation in Paraguay? And, and how do you do that? How do you live through the fear when you are in that moment, right? Because afterwards, then you're like, yeah, everything happens for a reason. I'm fine. We all in the matrix anyway, but when you are living that moment. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've never been the person that loses their shit at all. I've never understood how people get like crazy angry or crazy, crazy emotional about things. So I do feel like maybe 
that's like there's a normal human emotion dial. Mine's always been a bit like 30% down or something. And I have to like go to more extreme situations just to get like a normal level of like excitement. Perhaps we would describe that. So doing things like perhaps signing up to a stand-up comedy course where, okay, it's not like they just jump on stage straight away. It's actually sort of go through a nine weeks process of just being really unfunny in front of other people and like realizing that the world doesn't end and being creative. You sort of break through a fear or doing like the smaller comfort challenges. Like if you're in a queue, just lie down for 30 seconds and say that you're taking a rest. And it's just like a completely bonkers, stupid thing to do. But you realize that the world doesn't end or like asking random people for their phone number or it's just things that seem really scary, but actually are completely fine to go and do in small ways. Just trying to do a few of those every day and see if that like changes your mindsets because that's a super useful thing. Yeah. Yeah. So keep doing, right? That's good. So, so you have a, you have a, you have a company called Syncify. Tell us about that. What is the latest feedback that you have been having while people are in the lockdown and, and trying to find amazing things to consume? So Syncify is a podcasting app for being social with your friends where you can listen together, you can share your opinions on things and um, just basically connect around content. So you don't necessarily have to, um, well, like on social media where it's a bit more just sort of talking about yourself and things it's a bit less so suddenly it's like an introvert where I don't necessarily want to talk about myself the whole time it's nice places to exist and do the things that you're interested in and learn together with others that's kind of like our remedy to uh, some of the lockdown problems but just also learning more from podcasts and having a reason to stay in touch with people because like modern day you we're all pretty busy and um like even like visiting each other at the pub so it takes time and but you do have quite a lot of time where you listen to podcasts and stuff whilst you're commuting if you can actually be engaged with other people during that time that's just a really easy low friction way to catch up a bit with your mates and things which is cool so tell me about the experience so you you sign up to syncify and then you can listen to the podcast and and specify moments that you enjoy most and then share with your friends and kind of have this kind of collective listening right you are listening together as opposed to on your own. Is it correct? Yeah, definitely. So you can listen literally like live in sync with each other. So like, if you're on the app when I was in, I can see what you're listening to. I can just jump in at the same point. Or um, you know, I can listen in the morning, but I can sort of send you what I listen to. And sort of later in the day, you could like listen to that. And you know, if you live with someone, you can sort of at different times have listened to the same thing. So you just know what's going on in each other's lives and have some interesting stuff to talk about rather than all listen to completely different things and then you can't really sort of converse about that at all and it's nice to just be a bit more in touch with each other yeah no i think it makes makes total sense you've been in podcasting for a while and you have a podcast called uh, growth mindset which i love the title <laughs> what do you love most about podcasting and what which guest was kind of the best one or kind of stood out for you so kind of why i started it, i guess was just the excuse to go a bit deeper with people so for example with you is and you came to Techstars, you did the um you did like an hour talk about stuff and it's like b seems like a really cool person i'd love to have an excuse to talk to her but normally in real life i just wouldn't have had that that excuse but having a podcast is like that extra level and then you can just be really nosy and talk to people a bit more deeply about things. 
So I guess that's been my favorite thing. It's just like the power to have deep conversations with people that I'm interested in. And so, yeah, I mean, also just, I've learned lots about myself about being better at interviewing and making, having a better conversation with people and then like the stories I've been able to tell from like the different guests I've had and all that sort of stuff. It's been super useful, but I guess it's just my curiosity and keenness to like find out more about other humans and such would be like my favorite thing. The guest that stood out the most maybe was Naum Kostuki, who is, he was a bit of a mentor. Well, he gave me like one coaching session back when I was in Bristol running my business. He was like a business coach and he'd been to Bristol like five years ahead of me or something. And he ends up being like a really high flying business coach. He gave quite a few TEDx speeches and wrote a few books and stuff. And he was doing like super well for himself. And he just like quit everything when he was about 30 and, um, moved to Costa Rica, got this place in the jungle, like built his own like restaurant and just became like a massive hippie, stopped like shaving anything and um, just completely changed everything. And he ended up starting this restaurant where he just only made food that like you'd have never have heard of, just like combining weird things and ended up getting to like the top of uh, TripAdvisor as like the number one restaurant to go to in Costa Rica. And just the things that come out of his brain where he just constantly questioned like everything in life and just seemed to like just find the hilarity and the way the world was and why we're all being stupid and how the world really should be. And you're just like, yes, I get it. <laughs> and he was like a nutter, but like super intelligent, knew what he was doing. And you're like, it was just a, a really epic interview where half of what I thought about reality was, was really changed. I love that. And and just by you describing now, I picture myself going to Costa Rica and somewhere sunny and having a completely different life. It's it's very liberating, right? Especially when we, we're stuck at home for such a long time. Yeah, it's just like all the kind of the things we tell ourselves about our life, about why it is this way and that it has to carry on this way or whatever. It's just sort of, okay, all deluded. At any point in time, you can just book a flight somewhere and start a completely new life. So we kind of tie ourselves to all this baggage of stuff that we don't have to. It's, uh... No, I think it's so true and it's so liberating. And, and I can see the pattern uh, from you that, you know, you just throw yourself into things. And no wonder he's, uh, yeah, he's a, a great guest for you because it kind of triggered the same, the same emotion in your, in your brain, right? Someone who's just brave and say, okay, I, I'm just going to change everything now and I'll do it and I'm going to go for it. And the worst that can happen is that you get lost in the jungle, but then someone's going to save you anyway, because, you know, there's no jungle that you're going to be completely lost anymore in the world, I hope. Sort of a sad thing in some ways, but yes. <laughs> so what, what are you mostly curious about at the moment? I guess I'm always curious about optimizing your life, like the, the best pathway in terms of like your relationships, like success, happiness and things. And I guess you want, and there's the freedom to do things like you want to be able to like do all the things you want to do but then there's also like, the freedom from like freedom from wanting things and trying to be more chilled out so I'm I'm very curious about engineering my mind in a way to be less needy and desiring things and I'm pretty good on that path but I feel like there's a lot of work to do on like the steps of enlightenment and stuff that I'm really, really curious about doing for myself. So that's one major area. Otherwise, uh, I don't know what I've been finding myself doing a lot lately is I've been this, obviously looking at a lot of cryptocurrencies because I've had quite a few for a while and suddenly that's gone a bit nuts. That's been kind of interesting messing around with. I've been really interested in obviously like the social sphere 
because I just kind of have avoided it for a long time because I just was a bit of an introvert and didn't see the value of like talking about myself on Facebook and Instagram and these things. But I've actually been very curious in like how people use those apps and what people are getting from it in terms of status or just like friendliness and like all the all the the good and the bad things about them. It's just been very curious about to see what people want and need in their lives and trying to engineer something that's better than that for them. And so I've been listening to a lot of psychology podcasts around um, attachment, uh, status, relationships, all the kind of things that people like need and just so much stuff around that has been really fascinating. So I find myself listening to that mostly if I'm left to like search the internet or like the world of podcasts, that's where my mind seems to be going a lot. Mm, I love that. Is there like a specific podcast or a specific episode or a specific book that is is helping you most at this at this stage to unlock this uh, this kind of non-attachment and and desires, understanding desires of human beings? Not sure one book in but let's start with a podcast. I've been really enjoying psychology in Seattle. Uh, they have some fun deep dives where they'll go into like a movie or a TV series where they'll analyze the different characters in it as if they as they come to them for therapy. And um, so you can get like the Game of Thrones characters and you can understand why like Joffrey Baratheon became the way he was and like actually even feel sort of sad for him and like the bad life that he's had that he needs to be that way and stuff. And so it's really interesting to actually go deep into like these sort of people that you feel like you know and that's really nice because if otherwise you never really get to hear what therapists think about someone because of that, that's very private. But when you have like these fake imagining people, you're actually able to sort of go into that area. So that I really love. In terms of books and enlightenment and generally being uh, happier with less freedom, uh, well, freedom from wanting things and just looking at the world a bit in like a sort of slightly curious, hilarious way. Um, why Buddhism is True has the worst title ever of a book it is about buddhism but it's not it's not like a book trying to convert you into a buddhist it's written by an evolutionary psychologist who has a bit of an angry temperament and was very against meditation and it's sort of it's his story of actually from like an evolutionary psychology like investigating it and trying the vipassanas and going through them and then working out why they work and what's so good about reflecting on how whenever you get annoyed actually it's you just annoying yourself like the world you can't really do anything about and that kind of stuff and just sort of it goes really deep into like why your emotions are that way and why you don't need to feel them and how you can build up that layer of choice to feel how you want to feel and this stuff and it's just a really beautifully written book that is quite hilarious it just makes you laugh so much at yourself and these things because you can just relate to him and stuff so i'd really recommend that book as a top one for that side of things yeah. Thank you for being here, Sam. It's been like an amazing conversation. And I, yeah, I hope that we continue to have those meaningful and deep conversations, regardless of the podcast. And that, uh, yeah, people check you out and be inspired by your adventurous way of looking at the world. Thank you very much. I, I hope so too. If anyone wants to get in touch, they're very welcome. You can find me on LinkedIn, Quest Mindset Podcast, Syncify, just contact us there. Thank you so much for listening so far. Make sure that you listen to other episodes. You can go to hypercurious.fm. And if you want to stay in touch, I'm around. I'm on LinkedIn. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. You just search for my name and you're going to find me. 
If you love this conversation and more, make sure that you also do a five star and leave a comment on Apple Podcasts if that's your preferred podcast app. It will mean the world to me. For now, ciao, ciao.